love Alaska. Woo! Come on, if you love Jesus, let's go. Let's lift it up to the King of Kings. Come on, Jesus is Lord of all. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everybody. It's so good to see you. We are so honored and grateful and excited that you are here. And I just want to encourage you, if you just saw that video, I want to encourage you to take a year, be a part of DLA. That's going to be a great year for you. It's a gap year between high school and college. It will be great for you. We've had so many young leaders, Kayla and Carson, all these guys, Aubrey and Bucky. They came up through the program. Now they're on staff, changing the world. Awesome program. It's so good to be with you, to see you, to see you face to face. I love it. This is my favorite time of year. It's like Christmas. It's incredible. So it's so awesome to see what God is doing in you. I love the way that you're pressing in, even in the prayer moments. And so I'm excited about what God is doing. How many of you are happy to be here? Say, I am. Amen. Amen. Hey, I just want to real quickly introduce you to my wife, Renata. This is my beautiful wife, Renata. Renata, will you stand real quick? Love you. So great. I've got two of my kids in here. This is Dawson and Olivia. Will you guys stand up real quick? Dawson and Olivia. My parents are here. Hal and Debbie, will you stand? Give it up for Hal and Debbie Perkins. And I just want to thank Pastor Brady, wherever you may be. I don't know if you're in the room or watching by web stream or where you're at, but thank you. Uh, Let's give it up for Pastor Brady for allowing us to do this right here and making this happen for us. It's good. Sing the song with me if you'd like to. It's an old song. Billy Graham used to have people singing. It goes like this. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided. Come on, sing it louder. To follow Jesus. I have decided to follow. No turning. No turning back. Second verse goes like this. Though none go with me, follow. Come on, Brandon, sing louder. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. One more verse. The cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me. Now say it like bold. Come on, let's sing it. The world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. All right, just raise your hands in the air. Raise raise them high. Jesus, we come before you tonight. And God, we live in a time where it is so easy to live for ourselves. And even though we prayed a prayer when we were 9 or 7 or 11 or 5 or 13, it is so easy to live for ourselves. And Jesus, we come before you tonight asking that you would help us to behold you and see you. God, we want to be 21st century disciples in a culture that's consumed with narcissism and materialism and hedonism. God, we want to be consumed with your son, Jesus Christ. We want him to be our magnificent obsession. And so we ask that you would help us. Help us to follow Jesus. Help us to not turn back. Help us to make the choice to follow. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Matthew chapter four, let me read out of it. Matthew chapter four, as Jesus was walking beside the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother, Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Come follow me. Come do my thing. Don't do your thing. You got the fish thing. Tell you what, I'll redefine it. And instead of fishing for fish, you can fish for people. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people at once. They left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother, John. They were in a boat and their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. And Jesus called them and immediately they left the boat. And their father, and here's that word again, followed him. They left 
their dad, they left their boat, they left it all to follow Jesus. And the first question that I want to ask us tonight is this. I think that for many of us, you got on a plane, you got on a van, you got in a, in a car, a bus, and you got here. And tonight, you're going to hear this message about following Jesus. And we sang a song, and you've heard about following Jesus. But in our culture today, the question that we would often ask, that would kind of come up in our minds is, What do I get if I follow Jesus? I mean, what do I get? I mean, after all, you live in a culture where it's all about you. And you're making choices always for your future and your finance and your girlfriend and your education and your people and your friends and your status and you. And so it just begs the question, wouldn't that be the first question that we would ask? What do I get? And it's interesting because right here you've got Jesus inviting these disciples to follow him. And they don't ask the question. Like when Jesus says, follow me, you don't have Peter saying, what do I get? If I follow you, if I leave old Zebedee, if I leave the boat, if I leave all this stuff and I follow you, I just want to know, am I going to get a better life than I have now? Let me weigh my options. Let me think about it. After all, I'm competent. I made double digits on my ACT. I know what I'm doing with my life. Should I do it? Instead, what you have is you have Peter, James, John, you've got these guys, and all they get in the invitation to follow, they don't get any backstory, they don't get, here's the benefits of what you're going to get from me, here's what they receive, follow me. And what they get, what they know, what is Jesus, that's, that's what they get. So you can imagine if it's in our culture today and they were to have that conversation, it looks something like this. Jesus says, follow me. Peter goes, all right. Well, I get, Jesus, will I get a better boat? I mean, I'm a fisherman and this is what I do. You know, like if I follow you, I, I want to get a good life. Will I get a bigger boat? And if Jesus... We're talking the way that we as preachers are often tempted to talk to you like today then Jesus would say, out of pleading with him to follow him, yeah, man. I don't know Jesus talked that way. Hold on. Uh, bro, I don't know how to talk like this. this is, I don't know if I can do this. Peter, yeah. I'll go with that. Yeah. Peter, yeah. Not just a boat. You're going to walk on water, bro. Come on. Jesus, I'm eating pretty well here at the Sea of Galilee. If I follow you, will I eat well? Ha, 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 you come my way, I am the way, you go with me, guess what? We're going to feed thousands out of fish and bread. We're going to multiply it. Baskets left over. Mm, your belly's going to be full, Petey. Come on. If I follow you, will I get friends? I got these boys, you know, but I, I, I like better friends than James and John. It's kind of lame to work with your brother, you know, like... I, <laughs> what, y'all paying attention or something? Dan and I love to love on each other. Am I going to give friends? Pro! You're going to hang out, Matthew 17, Mount of Transfiguration. Come on, Elijah and Moses. You're not just going to... For, forget about Andrew. Forget, I mean, you're going to meet some cool people. Well... I don't know, Jesus. If you kind of had that kind of logic that, come on, come with me and you get more. Come with me and you get a better life. Come with me and... Do I get to preach? Oh, Acts 2, Pentecost. You're going to be quoted for... Man, you preacher. Peter, you're going to preach. You're going to have influence. You're going to meet people. It's going to be awesome. And yet we have nothing like that. Here's what we have from Jesus. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Just follow me. Well, what do I get on this end when I make the decision, when I make the choice? What do I have a guarantee of? You've got the guarantee of 
me, Jesus would say. Now, on the backside, you and I, we get to read history and we get to go, man, can you imagine the insanity if Peter and James and John and Andrew and those guys would have stayed in Galilee? I mean, how crazy would that have been? Because we look at it and we go, man, their names are written on the, on the foundation stones of the eternal city. They led the move of God. They got to hang out with Jesus. I mean, they saw miracles. They preached. They gave their lives Oh, how boring to hang out in Galilee when you had Jesus walking by. But on that moment, on that day, they did not know what the future had. And the guarantee was just that they get a person. Jesus. And friends, you live in a day where everybody's looking at you and saying, hey man, come to Jesus and you'll get this and you'll get this and you'll get this. And for me, I'm, 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 I'm 20 years right now, 20 years hanging out in ministry and I've watched so many young people that came to Jesus with a motivation that wasn't complete, where it wasn't this obsession with the lordship and the glory and the excellency and the beauty of Jesus. It was kind of camouflaged in that if you come and if you follow Jesus, hey, then, hey, then you're going to find a lot of good things. And there's no doubt about it. I am so blessed and so grateful. And there are things that the Lord has given me. And Jesus says in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. There's going to be a lot that comes your way. God loves to pour a blessing on his children, just like a father loves to give good gifts to his children. But the choice to be made, the motive by which you decide I'm going to follow Jesus is this. I choose to follow Jesus And what I get, it's Jesus. It's just Jesus. That's what you get. I'm not sure. Okay, then. Then let's have a conversation. Because you don't want to get halfway in. You're five years in. You've said yes. You came in where your ultimate goal was to use Jesus as your means to your own happiness. And you think that Jesus is going to make your circumstance better. And so then when your circumstance goes bad and she breaks up with you. And the credit card debt skyrockets. And you get fired. Whatever is the story. Then you know what happens? Accusation in your heart towards God goes what's the deal? I thought I was going to get the good life. And you came with using Jesus as a means to get what you desired, the American dream. And Jesus is saying, no, I want the Jesus dream to be what consumes you. And if ultimately we're using Jesus as a means to get my own happiness and my own end, then we end up with accusation in our heart towards God instead of affection. But if you say, I am yours and I surrender, though none go with me, I will follow. I don't know what the future holds, but I know who you are. And so I'm going to follow you no matter what, no matter what comes my way. Then you'll go through the very same difficult circumstance. And instead of anger and accusation, you'll have affection. I don't know why I'm going through this valley. But even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I love you. I walk with you. I trust you. I will not fear. And your motivation is Jesus. And you go, okay, well, the thing about Jesus, though, David, is if I follow Jesus, then I have to do my life the Jesus way. And I want people that cut corners and tell me that I can get the Jesus way and still get my way. I don't want to have to commit to sexual purity. Oh, my. I don't want to have to love people and give to the poor and pray. Here's what I want. I want to give as little bit as possible and still feel like I've got the hope of Jesus saving me and and really live for me, but but use Jesus a little bit. And, and, And most of the time when we think about following Jesus, your thought is, I don't want to deny myself, take up my cross. But, but I just want to put forth tonight, what if, what if 
Jesus is not just the denial way that is costly, but what if Jesus actually is the best way? Like, what if he actually knows what he's doing? Like, what if in perfection, God becomes man, lives on earth, invites people to give up their life filled with sin nature and follow him. And he says, I'll redeem you and I'll save you and I'll give you a new way to live and I'll give you my life. What, what if that way of life just actually is better than the way of the world? What if out of his love for you, when he says, follow me, he so loves you that actually purity is better than immorality. Actually, loving other people is better than selfishness. Actually, giving yourself completely to God is better than being consumed with you. Actually, gossip is worse than encouraging other people. What if your life, because you have a God that actually loves you, what if the Jesus way actually is the better way? I've got four kids, Dawson, Olivia, Adeline, and Justice. They're 11, 9, 7, and 5. And just like Jesus, I've got rules. Arr. Right? My son Dawson, he's 11. When he was about 8 years old, our family went through a transformation. We went from being your American, normal, eating family to my wife became a nutrition health nut instantly. I mean, it was that fast. And so we went from eating what we, what we wanted to eat to not eating anything we wanted to eat. And quickly, we were learning about hydrogenated oils and, I don't know, GMO and all that. And I'll never forget Dawson. It's really funny. One time I was looking at Addie and she's got blonde hair, blue eyes. She looks like me. Three of our kids look like Renata. One looks like Ad, Adeline looks like me. And so I... I was looking at Adeline and I said, Addie, you're my Twinkie. And she goes, what's a Twinkie? And my heart broke. So I went to the store that day. True story. Ask Renata. I went to the store and I bought Twinkies. I brought them home. I gave them to my children. Renata got home. She threw it away. But Addie got a Twinkie. I began to explain to her. It means we look the same. Anyway, that's a different story. So Dawson. Dawson, we're sitting there one night and Renata goes off to her nutrition class and my son looks at me and he says, Dad, mom's nutrition class has ruined my life. Mom's got new rules and it's killing me. Right? When, when Olivia was two, she would walk around and she, had, she would always want to stick things in the electrical outlets in our house. True story. And so at two years old, I quickly became the dad who was, no, no. And she always, I don't know why, she was fascinated with them. She'd always want to take a fork, a knife, whatever she could, and just stick it in the outlet. And I remember very distinctly one time seeing her across the room and living, Olivia, no. And she looked at me, two years old, cute diaper. And she goes, ah. And in her two-year-old mind, she's thinking, you are the meanest man alive. Why do you have rules? Right? I took my kids to the uh, parade up here in Monument last July 4th, last year, one, one year from now. And they have this thing where the kids ride bikes before the rest of the parade. And so Renata and I, we decided we're going we're gonna to try that. We sent, we were walking, and the way it is, you got the normal parade, and before that, you've got kids uh, riding bikes, kind of like pre-parade, before the parade. And so Renata and I thought we'd do that. We stopped to talk to some friends. Look over, three of our kids have stopped with us. Adeline is nowhere to be found. And with terror, I'm like looking for Adeline at the parade. I cannot find her. So I look at Dawson. I say, stay here. I take a 10-year-old's bicycle. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm going to find Adeline. And I'm, I'm literally in the parade with all the little kids. And people are going, is that Pastor David on a kid's bike in the parade? Is, that's a grown man, is, or is it? I don't know. And, and in terror, I'm looking for Adeline. And when I finally found her, I look at her and I go, stay with me. New rule. Stay with me at the parade. Right? And she, you can imagine. Ha! Huh, a rule. 
My boy Justice, when he was two, he wanted to be Batman. We went down to Chapel Hill's Mall down here. He had a cape on. Renata was home. I had all four kids. And I know these stories. You're like, we're going to call DHS on this guy. Anyway. All of a sudden, I look over because Adeline is screaming. And Justice, who wants to fly, has a cape on in the mall, has taken hold of the escalator, the black grip right here. And he is about 20 feet in the air, going up, 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 up. In fear and terror, I run underneath him, hoping to catch him if he falls. Another man, who I believe is an angel, runs up, grabs him, pulls him over, gives him to me. I am scared to death, trembling in high say, new rule, no Batman. Imagine a God who is infinitely wise, a God who created you, a God who loves you and knows you, and he invites you to follow him. And he says, follow me, and here is a better way of being human, the way that I created you to be. Not the distorted way that seems like it has all the pleasure now, but actually what's better for you now and in eternity. And you have a God that just like a mother or father knows best, he knows best, he is best, and he says, yes, I am telling you to walk away from sexual immorality. Yes, I am telling you to stop slandering and to encourage. Yes, I am telling you to develop relationship and pray. Yes, I am saying not to be greedy and to give sacrificially to the poor. Yes, I am telling you, God incarnate, Jesus Christ, obey my word, and it just so happens that as we follow Jesus, That journey and that way of life is the better way. It just is. So what do I get if I follow Jesus? Here's what you get. You get Jesus. Okay, well, if if, if I get Jesus, why should I follow Jesus? I mean, Jesus said, deny yourself, whoever gives up his life, follows me, decides to follow me, they're going to get life. What's the life that I get? Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow me. Whosoever would lose his life will find. Whoever, whoever would give up his life will find life. So Jesus says in Matthew 16, 25, he goes, you're going to find a, a life in me. It's a different way to find life. Instead of sucking it from the world, you, you find life. From Jesus. You find life from him. So, David, it's good. Why? Why should I follow Jesus? I remember in high school, trying to tell this cheerleader about Jesus. I always tend to do evangelism with the cheerleaders, but that was like my best ministry. And so, just kidding. Haha, don't give me a... All right. I remember I was talking to this girl, and I was telling her, I was talking about Jesus. And I remember what she said when I was talking to her. She said, oh, that's good for you. Hmm. I said, no, no, Jesus is awesome. Jesus is amazing. And she goes, that's good for you. But as for me, this is what's good for me. I want to talk about that for a minute because it's called relativism and it exists in your high school. Where they go, okay, it's nice that you went to desperation. It's nice that you uh, have a youth group. It's nice that you are a part of your local church. It's nice that you're serving. It's nice that you're leading a prayer meeting. I love the fact that you read the Bible and it's great that you fast a day a week. And it's great that all those things, good for you. But as for me, and then there's this separation There's this kind of different way of thinking that says, well, my way is this. And so I want to talk about the difference between our culture that says subjective worth. If it's valuable to you, then it's valuable. If it's not not valuable to me, it's not valuable. Because we're so me-centered that if if it's not valuable to me, then it does not have value. And so there's a difference between subjective worth, which says, I, I think something's valuable, and objective worth, which would just say, no matter what you think, it is valuable. It's, it just, it's not based upon opinion. It's not a bias. It's objective worth. It is, it is, it's worth a lot because it just has that much value. It's like this. Brandon took DSM. Any DSM here tonight in DSM? All right. Pastor Brandon uh, took DSM. They went home to home. 
with Every Home for Christ, doing evangelism in St. Lucia. And, uh, and so it's in the Caribbean. It's a beautiful island. So imagine this is hypothetical scenario. This didn't happen. Let's just pretend like there's a dialogue between Pastor Brandon and I. Let's just say that Pastor Brandon called me. They finished all the outreach, and then they're going to take a day on the beach in the Caribbean. And Pastor Brandon, and you can imagine Pastor Brandon, you know, he's decked out wearing all the right clothes, the sunglasses, he's got everything perfect, right? And he's sitting on the beach in a beach chair, and he's got, I mean, he's got the music right, he's got the clothes, because Brandon doesn't do anything wrong. I mean, he's got it right, he knows how to do it. He's eating the right foods, he's got it all right, and he's looking out at the beach, and it's the Caribbean, and the sun's shining, and it's perfect, and he's just there, and he's loving it, and he calls me. He's like, bro, you should have come. I'm sitting here, I'm watching the sunset. I mean, this is beautiful. This is excellent. And if I said back to Brandon, oh, Brandon, no, no, no. Do you know what I'm doing? I've got my kids four foot by four foot swimming pool in my backyard with some grass. It's not fully grown yet. I'm in Colorado. It's raining and cold. I've got hose water in here and I'm eating an Oreo and drinking some chocolate milk that's a little bit sour. I'm eating well. I'm drinking. That might be good for you, but dude, you don't know how great this baby pool is. There'd be something in Brandon as he sits on the beach in the Caribbean. God created all of this. It's beautiful. It's infinite. And he's looking out at the ocean and he's picturing me in a little baby pool by myself eating stale Oreos on a cold day in Colorado. And he's going, Brandon would say, child, you crazy. Right? I don't know why. I'm almost 40. He calls me child. But anyway, because what's going on? No, you can't, you can't make it subjective. You can't, no, there, it, this is better than that. I don't care how much you try to put words to your subjective experience. I, I'm telling you, the ocean is better than the hose water in the baby pool. And he's going, I, I cannot accept you. And that's just, it's not just, okay, you do your thing. I'll do mine. You, no, it's, it's no child. You crazy. Right? Because what's going on inside of us is you live with relativism all around you. Where people think, well, what's good for you is good for you. But if you have very little revelation of Jesus, then you'll be content with that. And you'll say, okay, but if he's alive and working inside of you and he saved you and redeemed you and you've given your life completely to him, you care about his lifestyle, the crucifixion, the resurrection. You care about what he's doing on the earth today. You've got a grid for who he is in the word of God. And he's working and moving inside your heart. And he talks to you and you know, no, he's the creator and he's Lord. Then there's not this thing inside of you that goes, oh, it's all right. There's this thing inside of you that goes, no, 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 no. He's creator. He's Lord. He's king. Child, you crazy. Child, you don't know. It's not this subjective little religion for me. Jesus is the Lord of all. And I can't just pretend like everything's okay as it is because he's real and it's alive. And you go, all right, he is the creator. John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness is not understood. It. There came a man who was sent from, from God. His name was John. He himself was not the light. He only came as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the, though the world was made through Him, the world did not recognize Him. John 1.10. Or the way Eugene Peterson says it, the world did not even notice. That is the error and the sadness in a generation. He is the creator. Jesus, God incarnate, walking on the earth. He is the creator. And a generation, because he just didn't even notice. No, he's the creator, John 1. And he, though he created, the world just didn't even pick up on it. And friends, we live in a generation of people and you and I, and we've got so little revelation compared to what's available. And as we grow in the excellency of, no, he really is who he says he is. 
He really is that awesome. He's a creator. He's a savior. He said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Okay, Jesus, objectively, truth. He is the creator. Okay, he is the savior. Okay, he is Lord, Philippians 2. So Paul says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wait a minute. He's the creator? Yes. <laughs> All right. He's the savior. Saved me? Yes. Saved you? Yes. He's the Lord. He's supreme. He's God. Yes. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. Yes. All those things. He is God. The great need for us this week as we're here is to get this revelation and awareness of who Jesus is that we go, ay, 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 you're awesome. You're bigger than I thought. You're amazing, more amazing than I thought. You are spectacular. You are king. You are king. You are awesome. You are Lord. That's what happens as Jesus is walking on planet earth all the time. Right? It happens. Peter, Luke chapter 5. Remember? The great big catch. Peter's pulling in the nets. Nets are breaking. Boat is sinking. And Peter goes, sup? I knew if I followed you, I'd get the good life. I knew if I followed you, I'd get some fish. You better fix this boat, though. No, nope, in the text. You know what he does? He falls down at his feet. And he goes, get away from me. You are, you are Lord and God. I am a sinful man. And he goes, it's this, ah, who is this guy? Who is he? How magnificent is he? I mean, who can figure out how to do that? He's going, Andrew, we've never done this before. This is impossible. How did he get all the fish in the nets? Fish don't even swim that close together. How did he get all? I mean, this is impossible. Oh, wait. What? Uh, no way. Paul happens in Acts. He's doing his own thing, persecuting the church. Jesus appears to him. Acts 26, when Paul gives description of this to King Agrippa in Acts 26, he explains how Jesus appeared to him as Jesus appeared to him brighter than the sun. And Paul, in a moment, revelation, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? And he turns around and goes, all right, I'm going your way. I'm going the direction of Jesus. Ay, 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 he is Lord. Happens again in Revelation 1. John, the apostle who'd hung out with Jesus and known Jesus and walked with Jesus, now he's exiled. Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and now John has been carrying out as a missionary. He's on an island. He's being persecuted, and he's writing a book called the Book of Revelation. And there's this moment in Revelation 1 where Jesus appears to him. And the scripture says in Revelation 1.17... That he falls like a dead man. You come face to face with Jesus. And you don't go, I don't know. What do I get? I don't know. You're going to give me a bigger car, bigger boat, bigger life? You're going to make my problems going away? You're going you're gonna to help me out? Because I'll make a deal. This isn't a deal. This is the Lord of all. This isn't. Uh, this is. He is worthy of following. What do I get if I follow Jesus? You get Jesus. Why should I follow Jesus? Because he's worthy of following. Oh, David, that sounds like not much of me and a lot of him. Yeah, that's the gospel. That's Christianity. That's our call. All right. Well, actually, my way is not going that well. Living for me, idolizing fear, idolizing greed, idolizing lust. I want the Jesus way. How do I give my life to Jesus? How do I follow Jesus? Mark 1.15, it's just this word that Jesus used, repent. Kind of big word, repent. Here's what it means. It means I'm going this direction. 
And I say, no, not me. I'm going to go a different direction. I repent of that direction. I repent of going my way, and I'm going to go the Jesus way. You make a choice. A choice? Yeah, it's a choice. It's a choice. Who's going to be Lord? Ah, oh, I thought it was like really complicated. No, it's a choice. You make the choice. And Jesus, what he's done on the cross, he's already prepared the way for you to get him, to follow him. That invitation is there. Same invitation that he offers Peter, James, John, and Andrew. To follow him. And you make the choice just like they made a choice. I don't know, David. I don't know if I feel it. Choices lead. Emotions follow. We always, always want to feel things. Listen, you make the choice. You give your life, live out this vow that we talk about, get the word of God inside of you, submit to your, your youth pastor, start following God, and you make the choice to follow Jesus. And your emotions will start to be transformed over time. You'll start to renew your mind, which renews your heart. And over time, you'll watch Jesus does a transformational work. And your emotions, not all. There's some days it's hard, but you make a choice. Choices lead. Emotions follow. And so I make the choice. I'm going to follow Jesus. Make the choice. I'm going to repent of going my way, and I'm going to go the Jesus way. When I met my beautiful wife, Renata, we were 19 years old. We weren't married when we met. And um, I was 19, and... I had a, a high school buddy of mine that said, hey, David, I'd like to invite you to go with me to my family reunion in Chicago. I was living in Oklahoma City. And I said, Chicago? And he goes, yeah, over the 4th of July weekend, you want to go with me? And I said, no, man, I don't want to go to your family reunion. He's like, come on, man, it's going to be miserable. You got to come with me, man. And I was like, dude, I am not going with you to your family reunion. I'm busy, man. I got things to do. And we were hanging out at his house. We went into his house, and I saw this picture of this girl. And I said, who is that? And he goes, oh, she's one of my relatives. The family reunion is at her house. I said, I'll go. <laughs> I got to Chicago. I met Renata. I said, oh, yes, Lord. <laughs> God, if, if, if you love me, can this be one of the benefits of the kingdom? I mean, you know, I know that I came just for you, but you know, Lord, I mean, you said that you love to give good gifts to your children. <laughs> Here's your boy. Here I am. Here I am, Lord. Send me. The problem was with Renata. Renata was perfect in every way except for one thing. She had a boyfriend. It's all right. It's all right. You got to have faith. You got to believe. Do some push-ups. Bigger problem was this guy was six foot one, which is tall to me. And, and tall, dark, handsome. Which is Check him, all right? And so I'm like, uh, all right, I meet this guy. Here's the deal. Imagine Renata, when she finally, like the prodigal son, came to her senses. <laughs> this is a made-up conversation, but let's just say. Let's say the day that Renata came to her senses and realized I was the guy. Let's say that I said, all right, Renata... Come follow me. I know you got the Banana Republic looking model wearing $800 worth of clothes, six foot one, has chest hair even, kind of guy. Can grow a beard. All that stuff. I go, but come with me. Follow me. Imagine if Renato were to say, hey, David, you're awesome. I really like you. I mean, you got a lot going for you. It's just, I really like your personality, and I really like that you're really kind to me. There's just a few things that this other guy's got going for him that you don't got going on, you know what I'm saying? And, and so, here's the deal. I want to go your way, but can I bring him too? Can he come? Here's what I would say. Repent of him. <laughs> Repent. You ain't going his way. You're going my way. Does that make sense? All right? And what we do all the time is we go, hey, I'll follow Jesus. I just want to bring all these pet sins and idols with me. 
Just let me, let me just take them. Can I just take these with me? And Jesus looks at you and he goes, just me. Come with me. You come with me, tell you what, we'll move to Colorado. We'll, we'll see thousands of kids give their lives to Jesus. It's going to be awesome. You got to give up the Chicago Banana Republic model though. Friends, in your journey, I know, I know, it's like this idea of surrender. I don't want to candy coat it. This idea of surrender is surrender. It is. Jesus is my magnificent obsession. He is the only way. And the old me has died. And what used to live inside of me is now dead. And I'm going to give all of that up so that I can find, walk with, know, follow Jesus. And you first repent. And then second, you obey. I know. You're like, David, this is the hardest sermon in history. I know. Because this is Christianity, friends. And we got a lot going on, and I like a lot of good stuff, but I want us to get this really clean. It is about dying to yourself, surrendering, giving your life to Jesus, and saying, okay, I repent, and I will obey. Does that mean obey the scriptures? Yes! Are you going to fall short? Yes! But is your aim and your goal to follow Jesus and to obey? That's my goal. That's your goal. My dad is a preacher. He's been a uh, pastor for 40-something years, and he always tells a story about the day that he had triplets, and he was shocked. He had three kids, David, Dana, and Deborah. I was born uh, as a triplet. If you don't know what a triplet is, it's like being in a, born in a litter. It's like... <laughs> David, Dana, and Deborah, and then my brother, Dano. I love working with you. Anyway, I was just trying to tease you, but anyway, I should do it privately. Anyway, oh, what was I talking about? So my dad... Talking to Dan. Oh, all right. So David, Dan, and Deborah, Dan. All right. So my dad would tell the story about coming home and having three five-year-olds. This is before you. Sorry, the illustration predates you. And and coming home and, and having three trips where he would test us in our obedience. He'd look at us and he'd say, David, Dan, and Deborah. is actually, anyway. David, Dan, and Deborah, go clean your room. And he talks about the three different responses of his three kids. His daughter, Deborah, feisty, strong looks back at him, and as a five-year-old, would look back like this, make a mean face, and be like, fine, go clean her room. And then there was Dana. Dana, darling Dana. They called her Angel. She's perfect. She was born without a sin nature. And then look at darling Dana. And say, Dana would look back and say, okay, and with tears because she had in any way hurt dad's feelings by not already having a clean room, she'd go clean her room. And then finally there'd be his son with whom he loves. With whom he is well pleased. Why son makes his father's heart glad and this boy made his daddy's heart glad all the time. He'd look at this boy and he'd say, David, go clean your room. To which that son would look back at his dad and smile and say, I'd be happy to, dad. And then never clean his room. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's still the way I am now. I look at God all the time. God, I want to follow you. I want to give you everything. And God's going, it's more than just singing the songs about the dance floor at the conference. I want you to obey. I love it when you sing the songs. I love it when you do that. But I want you more than just a smile on your face. I want you to actually obey. Actually be obedient. Imagine the pleasure that I have in my children if my children, my kids, Dawson, Olivia, Adlin, and Justice, let's just say, let's just say that I, that this, let's use the same illustration. My dad's was real, mine's hypothetical. All right, we take Dawson, Olivia, Adlin, Justice, I come home, they're five, seven, nine, and 11. Imagine my pleasure over them when I walk home and I say to all four of them, hypothetically, hey, Dawson, Olivia, Adlin, Justice, go clean your room. I come back three hours later, not one room is clean. <laughs> Similar, 
it's in genetics, like their father. Anyway, imagine if I look at them. Imagine my pleasure if I say, Dawson, what's the deal? He says, Dad, I know I'm supposed to clean my room, but listen. Dad, I wrote a sermon about how to clean your room. Let me preach it for you, Dad. Like, Olivia, Dad, check this out. She pulls out her guitar. I wrote a song. Clean your room, clean your room. Daddy said to clean your room. Adeline, Daddy, I've got seven seven-year-olds coming over tonight, and we're going to have a discussion about what a clean room really looks like. It's a little small group activity about clean rooms. Justice, Dad, I took a picture of you. I've got it on my wall. I wrote in letters, go therefore and clean your room, Justice, Dad. You know how much delight I take in my kids when they embrace a bunch of methodologies, but they do not obey? You know what we do? We come and we go, I love you. You're you're great. You're amazing. I'll give you everything. And he's going, I want you to obey. The demonstration that there's love burning in your heart is that you take steps towards obeying. Follow me. Be obedient. I want to be supreme. Even when it's hard. You mean in the small things? In the small things. In the hard things? In the hard things. Are you going to fall short? Yes, you are. But do you have a determination and resilience? I will follow. I will follow Jesus. No turning back. I'm not going to quit. That song that we sang. I grew up singing that song. It's easy to sing that song. It's easy to sing it. You know, the interesting thing about that song is it was written, some missionaries went to North India and this family gave their life to Jesus. And so the father gave his life and he gave his life to Jesus, but then it was, began to tell people about Jesus because Jesus was so supreme and had such objective worth that he couldn't remain quiet. And so the tribal chief came to him and said, stop talking about Jesus. And he said, I won't. Jesus has saved me, transformed me. He is the way, the truth, and the life. I will follow him. And he said, well, if you don't stop, we will kill you and those you love. And they brought out his wife and his children. And this was how this song originated. Because it's a story about a man who refused to deny Jesus, but said, I'll follow no matter what. And they said, deny Christ or the archers will kill your wife. And he said, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. And they pulled back the arches and he killed his wife. And they said, deny Christ or we'll kill your children. To which this man who had not been saved for a long time was a new Christian and he looks back and looks at his wife and he says the famous phrase that became the second verse of the song, though none go with me, still I will follow. The archer shot his wife said, if you don't deny Christ, we will kill you. And the final phrase, before they took his life, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. I grew up singing that song in Sunday school. Easy to sing. Crackers, chips, sweet old lady teaching you the Bible. He lived it. Friends, my dream is that tonight we would say, I'm going to follow Jesus. I don't know where my future is. I don't know what I get, but I know that Jesus is worth following. And he's worth my life. 
And though none go with me, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to repent of my sin. I'm going to turn from my wicked ways. And I'm going to give my life to Jesus. And I'm going to do my best to obey him and to be his disciple. I'm going to invite you to stand. Tonight, I believe there are so many of you in this room that have never given your life to Jesus. I believe there are many in this room that have given your life to Jesus in language, but not in obedience. I believe there are many that have tried, and tonight you just want to realign your heart and go 100%. I want to follow. I want to follow Jesus. I want him to be Lord of my life. I'm I'm not good at being the Lord of my life. I want the God who is perfect and knows best. I want him to be the Lord of my life. And so tonight, if it's your first time to surrender your life to Jesus, if you've given your life to Jesus before, but it's, you want to realign it, say, I really want to follow. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm, it's not all. I've invited some of my other loves, some of my other idols, some of my other things to come with me. I want to leave those in Chicago. I want to follow. I want one. I want just Jesus. I believe that he is worth enough for even you and I to have the kind of love and devotion that we would say, take my life. Take what I love the most. But I'm not changing based upon circumstance. He's worth following. No, none go with me. I will follow. No matter what the circumstance may be. No matter if I'm alone. No matter if I'm at school and people don't understand. No matter if my parents reject my choice. No matter if my girlfriend doesn't decide why I have to end this ungodly relationship. I'm going to follow. I'm going to follow. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to make a choice. I'm making a choice. The Jesus way is better than my way. And I'm going to follow him. I can't do this. I need Jesus. Tonight. You say, I want to be a follower of Jesus. I'm asking you to make a choice. I do not care about what feelings you have. I don't care about the tinglys going on. I don't care that your boyfriend broke up with you on the drive here. And so now you're at a broken. I don't care about what happened during the music time. I'm not talking about any of those things. I'm talking about a choice that says he is objectively worthy of worship and following and knowing he's the God of the universe. He's the creator. He's the Lord of all. I decide to follow Jesus. Jesus.